Welcome to the Morning News Podcast for Tuesday, September 1st. We begin with Monday's announcement by the federal government that over 100 million doses of a potential COVID-19 vaccine have been secured for our country. We get the details from Mike LeCouture, Global's parliamentary correspondent in Ottawa. It's time to get back to school. A lot of discussion over the return to class has surrounded the stress on both parents and students ahead of the return to class. But what about the teachers? We look at the mental health of educators teaching in this new normal. Alberta has the highest percentage of mortgage deferrals in the country. What are the real options for homeowners if they can no longer afford to pay their mortgage? We get some advice from a licensed insolvency trustee from BDO Canada. And finally, how comfortable would you be traveling to the Caribbean or Mexico right now? We catch up with the travel lady, Leslie Cater, to hear what one company is doing to try to get you to book a trip. 6.09 now. And Canada securing deals for millions of doses of potential COVID-19 vaccines. To get the details and break it down, we're checking in this morning with Mike LeCouture, who's Global's parliamentary correspondent in Ottawa. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Like, can you guys get me better intro music? Like, wham? That is amazing. <laughs> Just to kick off your day perfectly <laughs> for gosh. you. Like, I, I'm so excited. Now I want to be on your show every day. <laughs> well, you're welcome to join us anytime for sure. <laughs> hey, thank you for joining us this morning. Can you start off by telling us about these two new contracts and, and where Canada stands when it comes to securing these vaccines? Yeah, so now we're up at a total of four contracts that the government has secured with a variety of pharmaceutical companies. Uh, and really, in in vaccine procurement, optics really is everything. Uh, so the government throwing out a lot of big numbers yesterday, saying that, look, this means that we have a guarantee of about 88 million doses with an option up to 190 million doses of a potential vaccine with four different companies. A potential fifth is on the horizon. You have AstraZeneca, which is the University of Oxford vaccine. Uh, Within the next week or two, uh, Minister uh, of Procurement Anita Anand sort of hinting yesterday uh, that within a week or two, we could see another deal inked there. So I, I think that what Canadians want to know is what does this all really mean? Is essentially Canada is trying to hedge its bets with this federal vaccine task force and trying to put down down payments uh, essentially on different vaccines with different companies that are at different stages. Some are at stage two, some are at stage three. You know, stage three is that stage that's just before any kind of federal approval. So trying to make sure that we're near or at the front of the line when it comes to a vaccine and making sure that the vaccine gets to Canadians as soon as possible. I I think it's also important to note when we talk about the number of doses, um, you know, we've had a number of questions from viewers and listeners saying, well, wait a second, Canada's population is only 37.5 million people. Why do we need 190 million doses? Well, consider that depending on the actual um, different vaccine, it could require two doses. So that's why when the government says there are 190 million doses as an option that we'll have out there, consider this for a second. We have, um, that would only be 100 million 90 doses if all of the contracts come through, all of the vaccines are successful. Mm -hmm. And people know that not every vaccine goes the whole way or makes it the whole way. So it's not like there will be 190 million doses that are standing there in a stockpiling, you know, waiting for people to, to take them. So as far as the comparisons, other nations, for example, even the United States, how are we doing with our preparation in kind of lining things up? 
Well, it depends on who you ask. If you ask the Minister of Procurement, we're near the front of the line. If you ask some of the critics, we're at the back. Because you have to think about how Canada has signed some of these deals after the United States, specifically the one with Pfizer, and the U.S. has, you know, has an option for up, up to 600 million doses of the Pfizer vaccine, while Canada has upwards of about 20 million. So one government official told me, though, you have to consider what the actual process looks like. And it's not a true line, but it's more like that sort of down payment on the number of doses in some cases that down payment could get refunded if the vaccine turns out that it's not a candidate in other cases we lose that money and it just goes to the company for future research but uh, as i said that the minister of procurement has said that there are built-in delivery dates to a lot of these contracts and she says the earliest and one of the earliest that we could get a vaccine from one of these candidates is the first quarter of 2021 now saying the first quarter is like financial speak and unfortunately yeah. Canadians want months so you know the first quarter would essentially be by March of 2021 um, and that is not as soon as I think a lot of people had hoped especially when you consider south of the border President Trump uh, seemingly is promising one by the time the election rolls around in November down there. And you know we've talked to many experts who say on average it can be seven years before a vaccine actually goes to market so even if one is ready how does Health Canada does approval process work? Yeah, and that's the thing, right? So we know we heard from the Prime Minister yesterday who had said a lot of these things, as you had said, takes years to develop. Uh, consider that the world right now is focused on this. Anyone who's in the vaccine business is trying to find the COVID-19 vaccine. So everything is being sped up. However, the Prime Minister did note Health Canada approval will not be sped up. Uh, what they have to do is check the safety, the efficacy, and to make sure that the vaccine can be manufactured at a high level. Uh, so while that race has been on, that process will not be sped up. Contrast that again with the United States where the Food and Drug Administration has opened the door to approving a COVID-19 vaccine before the phase three trials are complete. So clearly south of the border, they're trying to get this done a lot quicker. But the Prime Minister keeps saying, look, we're not going to cut any corners in this. Any vaccine that'll be ready for Canadians will be the right vaccine. It'll be a safe vaccine. Do we know, uh, Mike, and I might be putting you on the spot here, as far as, um, you know, how stringent Health Canada's approval process is compared to other nations? I know that you would think first world nations, we'd, we'd kind of be on par. Uh, but is there something to be said about, you know, our due diligence compared to other nations? Well, again, if we believe the government that it is of the highest level, and uh, you'd have to think that because the health of Canadians is at play here and the health uh, during such a global pandemic, that even if it's going to mean the difference of one month, Health Canada would not want to take that risk. Um, and they want to make sure that whatever vaccine Canadians get, uh, that it will be the right one, it'll be effective. Uh, so in terms of the process, that's not something I've, I've delved into personally or in my reporting, but uh, you would have to think that anybody at Health Canada now is sort of standing and waiting and hoping uh, that they get to the next stage and that they do have a vaccine that is submitted to them for approval. Uh, and while you know they won't rush it, I'm sure it'll be all hands on deck to make sure that it's done as soon as possible. Thank you so much for this report, Mike. Appreciate your time. Thanks for having me, guys. Have a great day. That's Mike LeCouture, who's Global's parliamentary correspondent in Ottawa. And, you know, as he mentioned, the virus, uh, you know, two... Uh, 
spit it out, DL. The go. vaccines that we're talking about here that Canada has procured, there are dozens in development around the world. And could we be on the forefront of, you know, being able to make sure that there are enough vaccines yeah. for Canadian citizens? And I guess that's the question here. The model is upside down. It's, you know, no different than a business. If you, if you run a business, you would not order things on gross that haven't even be, been created. You know, on, on spec, that's fine. You might, you know, but we we got to do what we got to do. And like Mike said, Health Canada will not let it roll through until it is 100% approved through their qualifications. But it will not, uh, we're hearing now, it's not going to be mandatory. That's what the government and is we saying. we have to be sure. And, do you think, do you feel like it might be mandatory? Absolutely not. It I won't don't be either. mandatory. I just don't see it. I think there will probably be a, quite the campaign, just like the flu uh, shot. Of course. Uh, it'll be made available, I would think, at pharmacies and uh, perhaps even in schools, depending on the timing. I mean, fingers crossed we're talking March, uh, as Mike mentioned. But what if that's not the case? It might be in the middle of summer next year. Great text. I'm a baby boomer. We were lined up at school and vaccinated on a regular basis. These vaccines eradicated polio and many other devastating diseases. And look at us now. We're enjoying a happy, healthy life. And that's the case, and that's why I believe in my family getting the vaccine. And again, it's entirely up to everybody else. It's your decision and your own personal health and welfare of you and your family, but I'll be first in line. There well, was, maybe not first. But. There was no social media back then for people to <laughs> that's very talk about their conspiracy theories and microchips and Bill Gates. <gasps> it was a different time. Is Bill Gates behind this? I don't think so, and please don't text in your Bill Gates <laughs> No, please do not. Theories. No. If, 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 <laughs> we, we've, we've got more than enough. Yeah. It is 6.17, time for helicopter traffic for West District by Truman. Enjoy established amenities, recreation facilities, and the leading school districts. Right around downtown, we had two-way traffic on Memorial Drive for the longest time between the Center Street Bridge and the Peace Bridge. From our view, it looks like they're actually removing the barriers, so that might actually return to normal here. We're going to get a closer eye on it. We're also going to check things out on the lower deck of the Center Street Bridge, was which was also closed for physical distancing. So we'll get an update on that for you this morning. Otherwise, though, light volume on Deerfoot Trail through both the northeast and southeast. It's off to a great start. Glenmore Trail eastbound lanes are sitting at eight minutes from Sarcy Trail out to Towards Steerfoot, with the only real slowdowns I'm seeing around Sarcy Trail for that ongoing construction zone. Introducing Be Well, Wellness Rewarded. This Friday to Sunday, get 20 times the Be Well points when you spend $20 at Rexall. Visit rexall.ca for details. For the 770 CHQR traffic helicopter, I'm Brady Howard. It is the morning news right here on 770 CHQR for Tuesday, September 1st. I know it's cliche, but this is the ninth month of the year, the year that's gone by in some ways in 15 seconds. In mm -hmm. other ways, it feels like 15 years, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Back to school. I'll tell you, lots of kids getting back at it. Coming up in about a minute's time, we're going to be talking about the impact. Well, we've talked a lot about students and parents during this unprecedented time. It's a, a back to school like no other. But let's not forget about teachers' mental health. We'll uh, dig into that. Also, in High River, it's an interesting vehicle you might see trucking around. The book bike, exactly what it is and how does it help members in the community. We'll find out. First, helicopter traffic for West District by Truman. Main streets highlight 20-foot sidewalks and integrated bike paths. If you're heading around the downtown core this morning, Memorial Drive is now fully open in both directions between the Center Street 
Bridge and the Peace Bridge. That is expected to reclose, though, for the weekend to help out with physical distancing. But during the week, you're going to have that little bit of a help as you're heading towards the downtown core. Also want to mention the lower deck of the Center Street Bridge has now been reopened during the week for uh, for vehicle traffic, if you want to take that into downtown. We are seeing nice light volume on 14th Street, uh, Edmonton Trail, Center Street as you head south towards the, towards the river. Even McLeod Trail coming up from Glenmore by Chinook Center is problem-free up towards 17th Avenue. We do have a lane closure if you're leaving downtown. It's on the 5th Avenue flyover heading out towards Memorial. It's a center lane closure until further notice. They're doing some bridge rehabilitation work, so a heads up for that if it's on your roof. The Lotto Max jackpot is $55 million plus an estimated 4 Max millions. $55 million plus 4 Max millions streamed to the max with Lotto Max. Up in the 770 CHQR traffic helicopter, I'm Brady Howard. Seven oh nine now. Teaching during a pandemic has meant teacher stress is at a whole other level. The teachers have had a pretty steep learning curve as well in aspects of their daily work now and face a whole lot of obstacles to come. Here to discuss stress and being uh, what the teachers are facing during this time is a mother of two school-aged children and a teacher of health and physical education part-time at Nipissing University in North Bay, Melissa Corrente. Good morning, Melissa. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Well, thanks for joining us. So, I mean, it's stressful enough, right, as parents to send our kids back to school with a lot of the unknown out there, but then to uh, be a teacher as well. How are you feeling as you get ready to head back to the classroom? I'm feeling pretty, pretty confident. Um, my little one is starting grade one and my um, other one starting JK. So they're pretty excited to go back to school with their friends. Um, so I've been really privileged to work uh, with the University of Ottawa and doing some research on uh, teacher mental health. And uh, we're definitely seeing um, teachers feeling, definitely feeling some pressure and some stress. Um, but we know that healthy teachers are better teachers. So we really want to uncover, um, you know, and understand some of the mental health experiences of teachers right now. And let's uh, be honest, Melissa, teaching has never been a kind of a laid back job. Budgets are always tight. Classrooms, uh, it would be great to have smaller size classrooms. But even uh, pre-pandemic, teaching is something that you have to pour yourself into because it's a tough slog, isn't it? Absolutely. It's a caring profession. And I think teachers, their number one priority is the safety of their students um, and also the safety of themselves. So I think um, that'll be priority number one as teachers go back to the classroom is ensuring their students feel safe and cared for as well as taking care of themselves. Because as we know, um, if teachers are in good mental health and, and feel good about themselves, they're better able to help their students, which is why um, you know, mental health is so important right now. Truly. I mean, it's so important at any time, but even more so, you're right. So did you do this research through the pandemic of about teachers and the, and the mental health challenges they might feel they'd be facing? Yeah, so the research um, is a really interesting partnership. It's a, it's a collaborative study that looks at seven different professions. So teaching is just one of the professions that we're looking at, um, and it's called the Healthy Professional Worker Partnership. And um, we never imagined that we would be doing the research through the pandemic. So a survey is going to be released this fall for teachers to complete. And we've added some questions, not only um, about how teachers felt before um, COVID, but also how they're feeling um, during um, COVID so that we can kind of gauge how teachers have felt prior to COVID, but also during to kind of see if there's any themes um, and areas that we can help facilitate, um, you know, if they're, taking a leave of absence or if they're trying to return to work, how we can better support teachers in that way. 
Well, and I guess, you, like you say, during what we've already been during COVID, but outside the classrooms, the, part of the issue, I, I would think, is uh, this is uncharted territory and nobody's really been through this en masse. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a, a very interesting time that we're all going through. And I think the really important piece to take away is that we're all in this together. Um, you know, parents are feeling um, stressed and anxious. Teachers are feeling the same way. So it's just really important that we all you know, be kind, be patient with one another, that we're all in this together and that it's really important just to take it one day at a time and in one moment at a time and to know that to support our students, they need to be listened to and and cared for. Um, And I think starting with the teacher mental health and wellness, that will really help support our students and get them back in the classroom in a really positive way. And really, it's irrelevant what province you look at across this country. Our teachers, are they do a great thing. They're looking after our children day after day. So have you had any feedback moving towards the poll and this, this study and the information that you're hoping to glean? Um, we're just we've at, we're at the at the point now where we've spoken to many stakeholders, um, different faculties of education, and different um, just to get a broad view of of mental health in the teaching profession. So we're hoping to launch the survey in September and October, and then we'd like to interview um, as many teachers as we can to really. Statistics are great, but we really want to get behind those numbers and listen to the stories and the experiences of teachers and what they're going through um, so that we can better support them. Um, And we definitely know that self-care needs to be at the top of of teachers' lists so that they can better support their students. Melissa, it might be different regionally and province to province, but I'm wondering if you have any knowledge of the resources available uh, to our educators across the nation. And and if if you have found that there is enough that teachers can reach out you know, uh, you know, if they're going through a tough time. Yeah, that's a great point. And that's one of the reasons why this research is so important. Um, student mental health is something that we have quite a bit of research and support on, which is very important. Um, but we noticed that in our literature search, there's not a lot of supports out there for teachers who are experiencing mental health issues. Um, there's a really great program actually in New Brunswick, um, teacherwellness.ca. They have a lot of great resources for teachers. Um, and here in Ontario, we have teachresiliency.ca, um, which is a partnership with PHE Canada. Um, but we'd really like to see some more professional development um, opportunities. And we also think it stems back to the faculties of education um, and looking at accreditation and wow, incredible. how prepared are our teacher candidates. And I'm sorry, did we say, did you say that this research you're doing, is this only Ontario-based or will this, you know, at least be shared Canada-wide? Yeah, this is actually cross-Canada research. Okay. So we're looking um, at every province um, and territory, and we really want to get a broad view of how um, mental health is being experienced across Canada. And how can teachers get involved? If Have you already sent out requests or if somebody's listening and they may, maybe hadn't heard about this, how, how could they get in, in touch with you to get involved in this? Yeah, so if they Google um, the Healthy Professional uh, Worker Partnership, um, our website's healthyprofwork.com, and there's a participate button. So if teachers are interested in doing the survey or being interviewed, um, they can absolutely click on that participate button if they're interested in sharing their experiences. Well, incredible. And again, it's ongoing, so we like that, that we're going to be able to glean something as we move deeper into the pandemic. We appreciate your time this morning. Thank you so much for having me. That is Melissa Corrente, mother of two school-aged children and teaches health and physical education part-time at Nipissing University in North Bay. So you've got to, you know, hand it to your teachers because not only is it 
Stressful for us as parents, stressful for the kids. Mm -hmm. But I don't care how many years you've been an educator for, you've never been through something like this. All you want is the best for your students. You want to be safe. You want your families to be safe when you come home. And there's no guarantees at this point. And a lot of these teachers are parents themselves, Absolutely. too. So it's a double whammy for that. And let's just put aside the union part of things and, yeah. and have respect for the fact that these teachers are, you're right, going into a whole new world. And they're looking after our kids. And, you know, they went into this profession because they are caregivers of a sort. And they wanted to, you know, do this job particularly. And it's not an easy one. So, you know, big shout out to all the teachers who pretty much officially start today and right through this week going back to the classroom, yeah. looking after our kids, teaching them, you know, hopefully so that we can get them out of the house one day and get them uh, into a good job. So we appreciate all you do. Best of luck to you. This is the first, if not the first day, certainly the first week of school officially in the city of Calgary. 717 now. It's helicopter traffic time for West District by Truman. Calgary's last and best master plan community inside the Stony Trail Ring Road. Well, it is going to be a bright, sunny drive this morning. So for that eastbound commute, you're definitely going to need some sunglasses. We are just hanging out over top of the Glenmore Reservoir, checking out that eastbound drive on Glenmore Trail. So far, so good volume-wise. Of course, there is an ongoing construction between Sarcy Trail and 37th Street. Lots of lane closures, lots of speed restrictions, so an extra heads up for that. Also spotted some ongoing construction this morning on Blackfoot Trail and Ailis Road. This was causing some really big backups yesterday for the southbound drive. So far, it's just delays of a couple of minutes. If you're heading through, we'll definitely keep an eye on it. Watch for a left lane closure in both directions at Ailis Road. Do you or your child carry an EpiPen? If so, you should know when your device expires. Check the expiry date and visit your pharmacy to renew. Up at the 770 CHQR traffic helicopter, I'm Freddie Howard. 7.42, this is where we would normally check in with Danielle Smith. She's off for another today and tomorrow. We've got Ryan Jesperson uh, in next hour, and then, of course, his show will kick off after 9.30. Danielle brought to you by River's Edge Villa Bungalows in Cochrane. Call to book your private appointment. Show homes now open. But as we move towards the opening of school, classes begin for a lot of students today and right through this week. But moving classes outside, is that an option? Does it deserve some serious consideration, not just for better ventilation due to COVID, but really to help us learn more about the land. For more details, we're joined by this morning, adjunct professor at Queen's Faculty of Education, Queen's University, Jennifer Davis. Good morning, Jennifer. Good morning, Sue. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, first off, what type of outdoor education are we talking about here? Ah, uh, well, there could be a very uh, a very wide span mm-hmm. there. Um when we uh, when we talk to student teachers uh, in the north, we define three different ways. We just said, you know, one way that you can do it is simply to take whatever you're going to do inside and take it outside. So if you're going to read a book, take the class outside to do it because there's peripheral learning that happens through that. Right? They're they're outside. They're becoming at home uh, on the land. They can watch what's happening. They can see the sky. So you can just do that. If that's, if that's what's convenient. Um, or you can uh, take exercises, a math, for example. Uh, there was a, a class in Thompson where the teacher gave uh, all the kids a list of angles and a protractor and told them to go outside and find those angles in, in trees, in, in, in grass, and just anything that was outside. And that took about... Two minutes before the kids were running back and saying, 
you know, why does this branch meet the tree at a 90-degree angle and these at 45? So right away you're into inquiry learning because kids notice things like that. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the, the third way, which is, is the most difficult way because it takes some patience, um, is to take kids outside and to just ask them to observe. So there's all of that learning. And then there's the kind of outdoor learning that teaches us to survive on the land um, and and needs critical thinking and collaboration. Um, how do you build a shelter? Where do you find food? Um, how do you how, how do you live with all the other creatures that we share the land with? So th- there's a wide span, but it all has to happen outside. Jennifer, there's been lots of talk uh, as of late, and this week, the first full week of school, or the start of officially school in Calgary, classroom sizes being too small to socially distance. Uh, yes. So maybe this is the perfect time for outdoor education because it's the ultimate socially distanced uh, learning experience, I would think. Yes, Andrew, it is. And that's what COVID has given us, this opportunity to, to do this. And it's not, we, we have precedent for this. Uh, as you probably read in the article, in the early 1900s, when there was a tuberculosis pandemic, uh, it, right in, in Toronto, schools actually moved their equipment. And that's not what I'm suggesting, but, but that happened then. They actually moved desks and blackboards uh, and all other equipment into High Park in Toronto and took the kids outside because they recognized exactly what you said, that there there was space and there they could... Uh, they could socially distance, um, and they would be healthier. So, yes, this is the perfect time to try this. But, Jennifer, I can hear the listeners at home saying, uh, hello, Jennifer, this is Canada. We've got winter here. Yes, we do. And, you know, when my, my biggest learning in all of this was in Thompson, Manitoba, where the winters regularly get down to minus 50 and my husband, who, who taught uh, an outdoor survival course there, um, his, his mantra was, there's no such thing as inappropriate weather, there's inappropriate clothing. Um, and when we are supplying kids across the country with tablets and, and different techno- technological sorry, devices, um, surely we could invest in some appropriate clothing. Um, and not only that, but who in other nations, Finland, Norway, and Sweden, that have the same kind of climate as we do, uh, this is a possibility. Hmm. And it's not to say that they could never go into a building. Like, no Hmm. no one's suggesting that. Mm -hmm. But that the building would be Plan B instead of Plan A. Very interesting concept. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. I wish that was uh, more so available when I was in school. Thanks so much for your time this morning, Jennifer. Okay. Thank you so much. Have a good day. That is Jennifer Davis, adjunct professor at Queen's University, Faculty of Education. It's 747, time for helicopter traffic for West District by Truman, a community connected to its city. It is very slow on northbound here for this morning between Barlow and, and Southland Drive is where you're going to see the majority of delays. We'll have at about five minutes to commute. Southbound Deerfoot, we are starting to see that building volume as you make your way down towards Memorial Drive. If you are exiting off on a Blackfoot Trail, we've got that con- additional construction at Alice Road, a left-lane closure in both directions. They're already seeing that backup extending towards about 19th Street, and soon it'll hit Deerfoot Trail. So I expect that little bit of a slowdown. We are just on our way up into the northwest. We're getting reports of a collision at Brentwood 
Road in Brisbois Drive, so we should have those details for you at the top of the hour. Fall back into adventure with a Subaru. Hurry into your local Subaru dealer for great rates from 0.5% and a lease bonus up to $1,000. Up in the 770 CHQR traffic helicopter, I'm Brady Howard. Eight twelve now. And according to the Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation, about one in five mortgages in Alberta remains in deferral, which is the highest in the country. If you've opted to defer your mortgage payments and you're still in financial trouble, what's the best solution for you right now? With some suggestions, we're joined this morning by Marie Kozlowski, licensed insolvency trustee with BDO Canada. Good morning, Marie. Good morning, Sue. How are you? Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us. I know there are a lot of folks who are in trouble right now and they just don't know what to do and where to turn. So first of all, what's your reaction to the high number of Albertans who've chosen this mortgage deferral option through COVID? I'm not surprised. Uh, These have been very tough times for Albertans. We've not only dealt with the financial and economic uncertainty that's been uh, delivered by the COVID crisis, but we're also dealing with the volatility in the oil sector. Millions were laid off while their income was reduced. And despite the aid packages that have been provided by the federal government, Canadian banks also stepped up. And they also stepped up to assist financially strapped Albertans during these times by granting opportunities to defer and skip mortgage payments for up to six months. More than 760,000 were approved, and over 21% of those were in Alberta. And, you know, that's not surprising to me because I think Albertans were aware prior to COVID that financial times are extremely difficult. Today is September 1. For those people who signed up for the six-month mortgage deferral program, this month, uh, the deferral plan is about to end, and they're going to have to start making mortgage payments again. So it's very important that you review the agreement that you signed with your lender. You know, will the payments just simply be skipped and added to the end of the mortgage? Are you going to be required to repay at least a portion of it at the end of the deferral period? For example, just interest. Um, And will your payments increase at the end of the deferral period? And then, you know, layer on the other deferrals, the lines of credit, Mm. credit card payments, and also income tax. The um, deferral for income tax for 2019, the payment of that tax, ends at the end of this month. So from October 1, interest is going to accrue. More importantly, you're expected to pay your tax. So, you know, right now you must take take stock of where you are. You must take a look uh, at your financial situation, how much you're making, what your monthly living expenses are. Just take stock of your debt situation. Have you accumulated more debt? Are you keeping up with your debt payments or have you been deferring? And do you have a debt repayment plan? It's absolutely critical. Um, Many people were struggling previously and COVID is certainly not going to um, help people. In fact, the issues aren't just going to disappear amid the aid and deferrals. The reality is many people are facing more financial hardship now than they were at March 1. So you mentioned, Marie, that, you know, the end is in sight for this deferral option. If if right now there's still you know, missing jobs within my household, maybe uh, two people aren't working. You've had that opportunity to defer the mortgage. The CERB is coming to an end. Is it really time to take a hard look at the future of being a homeowner and what sorts of steps could be taken? What are the options? Well, right now, um, the first the first step in my mind would be communicating with your lender. Contact the bank. 
um, let them know that you're still suffering difficulties. If you can't make full regular payments, contact them straight away. Many of the banks and credit providers are willing to work with you, but only if you reach out to them. If you simply ignore or skip debt payments, that is not a solution. All that will mean is you are no longer in line with the terms and conditions of your uh, agreement. And that could prove very costly in that all arrears could become due and payable immediately. Skip payments that weren't approved may make individuals ineligible for further relief programs. And the credit, your, the credit rating of individuals who've taken deferrals can be negatively impacted. This is more than a health crisis. It's unfortunately an economic crisis, and it will very likely be the tipping point for many Canadians. But, you know, it doesn't mean you have to sell or face losing your home. No, and if in a situation where no matter how you crunch the numbers, your budget, budget simply doesn't allow you to resume regular payments, and, you know, you're feeling overwhelmed, now is the time to reach out and many people do delay that but you know that's not in an individual's best interest it's very important for people to know that there are solutions available the sooner you seek help the more options are going to be on the table for you like BDO is a licensed insolvency trustee as am I you could reach out to our BDO team in Calgary at 403-777-9999 or visit debtsolutions.bdo.ca. We have the solutions available. We can discuss the options with, with individuals who are really overwhelmed at this point. We can try and help them solve debt together. Uh, Marie, if folks are already in money trouble, is it expensive to make that first call and just ask some questions? It's the, it's the best option. It's, first of all, any licensed insolvency trustee will offer a free consultation. Usually it's done over the telephone right now. The, op, the, the, the aim there is to determine just what your situation is and to explain the options and the pros and cons of those various options. When an individual has information, they're in a much better position. In fact, more powerful. Yeah. And they can then take stock and make decisions, and it may be an immediate decision or a short-term decision, but without reaching out, yeah. the information isn't going to be received, and mm-hmm. then, of course, you're not able to move forward. Yeah, stressful time, but uh, if you have knowledge, that certainly helps. Thanks so much for your time this morning, Marie. welcome. Take care. Bye-bye. That is Marie Kozlowski, Licensed Insolvency Trustee with BDO Canada. More info, bdo.ca. 8.18, now time for helicopter traffic for West District by Truman. Come visit the largest concrete-built condos in the city.
749 now, and it is being described as a bold step and a great show of confidence by the travel lady, Leslie Cater. Free COVID and quarantine insurance on certain travel packages now being offered up by one company. Let's get the details. Good morning, Leslie. Good morning, Sue. Uh, Yes, this is uh, actually exciting news. Now, in the past, we've seen a couple of hotel chains have been offering some kind of COVID insurance. But Air Canada and their vacation division, Air Canada Vacations, is now offering free COVID coverage uh, starting from today uh, for travel all the way through till the end of April 21. And this is to a list of applicable destinations. But I think this is a good move. It's a bold move. And I applaud them for that. Okay, so I'm wondering, you know, what exactly does this cover with quarantine insurance? Uh, if you're forced, so if you get, if you're diagnosed with COVID, you're mm-hmm. covered for quarantine. Does that you know, protect you from losing money from work or how does that work? No, how this works is you're covered for up to $100,000 for any emergency medical expenses out of country okay. that you may suffer. Plus, there is an additional $150 per person per day quarantine expenses covered when you're out of the country. So let's say you did get sick when you were in in destination and uh, you have to then extend your hotel stay to cover that quarantine period before you could come back. That would be covered. Uh, And it's for this reason, it's a very good insurance, but we're we're still recommending that in addition to this free insurance, you would take the regular travel insurance, which would cover you for other medical emergencies such as a broken leg for example all right better to be sure you've got all your bases covered then so this plan air canada vacations only at this point flight yes. and hotel packages so if yes. you're going to mexico or the caribbean nowhere else at this point i mean that's a pretty good start yeah it's a pretty good start it's covering all the uh, all the good points that we know from antigua all the way down to turks and caicos and the popular Mexico destinations. Now, one thing I will draw the listeners' attention to on this is that, as we know from Calgary, many of these places that we go to, like Bermuda or Barbados, you have to do a flight via Toronto. Mm. And you may have to break your journey. So you may be entering Canada for the first time in Toronto and not Calgary. But in terms of the Quarantine Act, and our team has gone over this with a fine-tooth comb, you're fine to continue on your next connecting flight as long as you not uh, don't have any symptoms. Okay, good stuff. And I guess, uh, you know, being in the know, and that's why you talk to somebody like yourself, would be huge before you put some dollars down. So uh, definitely a step in the right direction, and we appreciate uh, the update, Leslie. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah, just tell everybody, book with a travel agent. It's it's not uncomplicated, but you can escape winter. Love it. <laughs> we know a travel agent. Her name's Leslie Cater. Thank you so much, Leslie. <laughs> Thanks so much. Leslie is the travel lady at thetravellady.ca or on social media at thetravellady.